0: Welcome to the Cutaways podcast. I'm Justine, and
1: I'm Ashley.
0: Ashley's not awake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's not awake. It's morning. Oh, Oscar weekend sucks. Yeah,
0: I uh, so much to do. So much <laughs> to do this week. I have two deadlines for Monday. <laughs> Ouch.
1: Yeah. On Oscar weekend. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm really trying to just focus on this right now. <laughs> Ouch. This. This is a weekly podcast where we watch and discuss romantic comedies. And our mission on this podcast is to learn about these misunderstood and often like poo-pooed upon
1: movies, you know? I like that it's now our mission.
0: Yeah. I liked the word mission. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's become our mission. It it didn't it wasn't like really a mission.
1: Yeah, it was just, like, all of a sudden the CIA, like, knocked on our email and was just like, hey guys, we, we need you to infiltrate the movie industry and talk about romantic comedies.
0: Yeah. Okay, so normally, normally we get these movies from Netflix's genre list. If you go on Netflix streaming, they have lists and genres. We're not getting that from today. Actually, actually, this used to be on streaming, is This used to be on our list. The last movie
1: used to be on our list, too. They've taken away the classics. Yeah. Bringing them back. What is it today we are watching? Today we're watching 1977's Annie Hall. I'm not excited about... I don't know why I'm not excited about this, because this is, like, supposedly the quintessential romantic comedy.
0: It is. It is between this and um, when Harry Met Sally are off... When I was going through the list, these were, like the number one's that would like switch off yeah. on each different list.
1: The description um via the Netflix DVD is winner of 4 Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Actress. Director Woody Allen's iconic romantic comedy charts the relationship between neurotic writer Alvy Singer and quirky aspiring singer Annie Hall. This movie stars Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, and Tony Roberts, was also directed, as I stated before, By Woody Allen. It's rated PG. It's an hour and thirty-three minutes. And it's rated three and a half stars on Netflix. It also won a ton of shit. At the 1978 BAFTA Awards, Woody Allen won for Best Director, and Diane Keaton won for Best Actress. It also won Best Film at the BAFTAs. And Woody Allen was nominated as Best Actor, but he didn't win. At the 1978 Golden Globe Awards, it won for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Motion Picture, Music or Comedy nominee, so it didn't win. It also was nominated in the Best Director for a Motion Picture category and Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy.
0: At the 1978 Academy Awards, it won... Best Director for Woody Allen, Best Actress for Diane Keaton. It won Best Writing, Original Screenplay, and it won Best Picture, and again, Woody Allen was nominated for Best Actor. These were the 50th Academy Awards, and for the first and only time to date, both Best Actor and Best Actress winners won for roles in two different
1: romantic comedies. (laughs) It was because it was the 50th Academy Awards and they were like, ah, we'll throw them a bone. We've been doing this for 50 years.
0: Yep. I think the other winner was, um, I believe it was Dustin Hoffman for something else, some movie I've never heard of. (gasps) Mm. But you know who really took the awards? Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars swept the technical categories, winning six out of ten of its nominations and a special achievement for sound effects editing, which wasn't we, we it it's didn't a, it's, exist. Yeah, it's a category now. Yeah. Uh, but Annie Hall also won its fair share, winning four out of five
1: nominations. But Star Wars! I think it's interesting that, because normally the Golden Globes are like what you use to predict mm-hmm. who's going to win. And really, it didn't, it only predicted Diane Keaton winning. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's weird. The BAFTAs are more the same with the oscars than the golden globes are
1: i mean again it's just the academy awards are so weird in who it nominates and who wins what did you see that was nominated this year i haven't seen anything really (laughs) i've seen star wars saw star wars multiple times um yeah i saw star wars and mad max i think that's all yeah we saw mad max Mm -hmm. we saw that together cuz you forced me to go cuz i didn't really want to go. Really? I don't remember. It was well, so remember long i didn't want to give money to Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, i remember that. And you were like, "But i have free passes." And i'm like, "Fine, that counts. I don't I'm not giving money to Mel Gibson." Then. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, i remember somebody paid me in movie passes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Let's go see a movie." <laughs> and uh, i've seen Carol. Uh-huh. How is Carol? Carol's good. I liked Carol a lot. What's her face should have been, or should be, should win. Kate, yeah. Oh, I have seen The Martian too. I forgot about it, but yeah, right, yeah. Seen The Martian. Oh, he was so good in The Martian. Mhm. The Mar- I feel like The Martian came out at a good time to see. Yeah, it was like right on the end of summer, and um, really had a good backing with it because NASA was promoting it, and it was helping promote NASA, and it just made me feel. It made you feel good. But now the movie is helping to. Promote potatoes. Yeah, like <laughs> it's multifaceted promotion. Yeah, and the book is really good.
0: Nice. Yeah, I forgot we have seen.
1: We've a seen a lot. A we couple. Just, oh, Ex Machina got nominated for best original screenplay. I really Ex Machina was one of my favorite movies. It was really good. Sam loved it. He yeah. like came home and bought it as soon as we as soon as we could.
0: Yeah. Dude, yeah, all week I've been telling Matt, I was like, you gotta watch Mad Max, you gotta
1: watch Ex Machina. Alright, um... So we've talked about the Oscars enough. Yeah. You all are probably bored because, like, it's gonna be the week later. (laughs) No one's gonna care about the Oscars anymore. It's gonna be two weeks later. Oh yeah, two weeks later, I forgot where...
0: Yeah, Harold and Maude is gonna come out.
1: Which, I have been obsessed with Harold and Maude. Yes, you have. I don't know, man, that movie, like, got into me. (laughs) I told you, I told you that once we, like, fully processed it, it was just going to be something that we would want to watch again.
0: I have been (laughs) obsessed with Harold and Maude. I've been listening to the soundtrack, like, on my way to work. That and Funny Girl I've been listening to, both back-to-back,
1: Funny Girl and the Kids. That's an interesting combination, like, just to have. And then you forced your dad to watch it. He, I knew he would like it. Didn't you know? (laughs) You knew. I knew. (laughs) He definitely liked it a lot. I could see your dad, like, being Harold at a young age. Yeah. Let's go watch Annie Hall. Oh, wait, I've seen Annie Hall before. It just never seemed like a story that I wanted to to watch. I just feel like it's going to be a whiny dude for an hour and a half. Let's go see if you're right. (laughs) Okay.
0: So we just watched 500 Days of Summer wish we had watched that i know i just wanted to like come back and be like okay and now we're going to talk about 500 days of summer <laughs> and why
1: you know they're both so hot and good oh uh, yeah. JGL yeah uh, he's now a father you can call him a sexy dad <gasps> sexy dad make a different version of sexy boys <laughs> yep <laughs> As he's like slow mo walking down a hallway with like some Huggies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm writing hit record right now and asking for it.
0: <laughs> that would be perfect. I've I've, I've semi kind of wanted to break our rules one of the days, and I feel like this is the day that I definitely wanted to do it, where we just like stop whatever we were doing and just watch a completely a different,
1: different movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nope, veto. <laughs> We weren't excited for this.
0: No and you know I had seen it and I was just right out of film school when I saw it. It's one of those movies where everybody's like oh my god it's the greatest movie of all time but just I don't know to me it doesn't live up. I mean I know it's influential. I can see the influence but the movie itself to me I find
1: annoying. And Well we grew up with because I would say a lot of a lot of John Hughes movies came out of, could come out of this too, just based on the writing a little bit, and even even the style, like that just indie kind of feel to it, which a lot of John Hughes movies had. So we grew up with that. So we grew up with with this style. So to us, it's not very impactful. It's, it's like, not fresh. Yeah, I understand.
0: Yeah, how different it was at the time.
1: Yeah, it just. It doesn't hit that mark anymore for for me. No, yeah. This would not be good at a slumber party, okay? No. It could be a fun drinking game movie. Every time Alvi goes on a ridiculous dry tribe and contradicts something that he says. That's the whole movie. You would just be. (laughs) It's just the whole bottle. Just like an IV attached (laughs) to you. I don't know. I I could see watching it with people, but I I can't see. It being that giggly kind of fun... No, it's... There is
0: some humor in it, but I I know a lot lot of the jokes already. Yeah, they don't hit the same way. Yeah, I was like, there's a joke my dad's told a million times. (laughs) (laughs) There's another one. Lots of dad jokes. Yeah, my dad loves this movie, actually. He's gonna be so sad by this podcast. Actually, no, he says he likes it, especially The Lobster's. And I told him I don't think it holds up well. And he says, "Well, I have to watch it again." La di da. See, he's quoting it. He goes, "La
1: di da," and then he says, "All talking." And he says, "A dead shark." He he knows this movie. Yeah. You know, when I've heard, like I've heard and seen a lot of the bits just in other comedies, and they may not have like used them the same way as this did, but they like pay homage to it, and so it just it's like it is like getting. Going through like sitting through these jokes that your father makes over and over and over again and then you hit your teenage angst years and you're just like, Ugh, Dad, mm-hmm. just stop. That's what watching the movie was like. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> I know we're being like committing, you know Romantic comedy, suicide. Or even just like film school suicide. <laughs> That's it's definitely a film school movie.
1: Yeah. And I can see, I can see why, and I understand like the cultural influence, and I understand um, all of these great things that it brought about for the genre, like actually having a man kind of talk about his feelings instead of being this yeah. strong individual.
0: And I love how the last this is the third movie in a row. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where, uh, with Jewish characters, Mm -hmm. and positive Jewish imagery.
1: Yeah, it was, it's refreshing, like, in the line of movies that we're, we're watching. It's just, it, again, it's just, it didn't hit that expectation that you have for it after being told, oh, this is, like, the best romantic comedy ever. It's not. It's not. I think the best romantic comedy would be one that holds up. Like, the jokes are still funny.
0: Yeah, I can watch When Mm -hmm. When Harry Met Sally, like, I watch it every year, pretty much. Well, I
1: think, even though His Girl Friday was all the way back in, like, the 30s, Uh and it still is hilarious, it still is funny, it still is witty, it holds up, even though you don't, there's some jokes in it that you don't understand, but, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things in Annie Hall that just are so overdone now, that you, it doesn't have that same weight that it would if we were back in the 70s watching this.
0: I feel like you hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> no, you brought up your, like, Annie, you brought up, um, His Girl Friday, you're like, that was great, and I was like, yes! It is. <laughs> there. Three snaps in a deformation. So it's gonna be really hard to talk about this movie, because this movie is not about what they're doing at all. Movies are usually about, you know, a time and a place and, you know, characters. progression. Yeah. This is just, the, the place was incidental. It's just what he's talking about. And I'm just talking about, just he him talking about. Yeah. It's all from him. And he
1: doesn't stop talking. Mm-hmm. He is so neurotic. He has to fill the air, like, the, the empty air with words mm-hmm. all the time. Even when they're on screen and they're not speaking, but they're, like, portraying their internal monologue or whatever, it's still them just talking.
0: Yeah. I feel, because it's directed and written and acted by him, that even, like, Diane Keaton's character was, like, through the filter of him.
1: Yeah, which, when I was doing the research, that was the original movie that he was going to make was all through his perspective Mm -hmm. so it was shot and film and uh in the first edit was done completely from his perspective like everything so everything was through his lens so when they went back and with the test screenings and stuff that they were showing that no they actually just want to know more about their relationship since you know it's kind of quote-unquote supposed to be about their relationship in a way
0: yeah and for me, I don't trust a character who's just, you know, doesn't let anybody else's opinion, in, you know? Yeah. I find it not easy to
1: trust him that way. I think, like, after I got his his shtick, I kind of was a little bit more willing to kind of let go of my reservations with him. But, yeah, he really, it is a movie, and he says it a lot, that all he does is goes, goes to his therapist to whine. But this entire movie was just him whining about one thing or another. He, he made some good points about what he does wrong and what he, his viewpoint on the world. But at the same, which was different. I liked that, I liked those aspects where, you know, we were seeing, we were seeing a man dealing with emotions in, in a society that isn't allowing for men to deal with emotions.
0: I think, though, that a good relationship is attempting to, and really pausing, to think about the other person's point of view and where they're coming from.
1: I agree. And I felt like none of that, like, wasn't even attempted. Yeah, none of that happened. And you would think that, because her therapist tells her, you know, he is smothering you in a way. And that's what your, your dreams are trying to tell you. And his therapist just sits there and lets him talk Mm -hmm. he doesn't he doesn't get the chance to like interlude which kind of in a way makes the joke on him at the end when he or when he constantly is saying you know I, i go to this analyst been going for 16 years and i've never gotten that out of him and it's like well you don't let anybody talk you you are so uncomfortable with silence that you constantly have to fill the air
0: yeah i guess that's the joke but i don't know maybe am i too serious am i too jaded that i'm like it, well it's not funny
1: <laughs> well it's not
0: funny because we've had that we've had movies like that well i feel with if you watch 500 days of summer and you think about it from knowing the endings point of view you know that he's not it it does it in the end where it's like she saw it as something different than out of he was just fantasizing the
1: whole time, yeah. but, like, he gets it in the end. <laughs> yeah, which Woody Allen's character doesn't. I would say 500 Days of Summer is a better overall way of going about this this type of movie. Because you definitely, you see his perspective, but you also see hers. And it puts them on the same level, almost. Even though, like, in the beginning, Summer is more of the Manic Pixie dream girl, and that's who he wants her to be, and all this stuff. But then, slowly, as the film progresses, you do start to see more and more of what she's seeing out of it, and less about, like, the optimistic side that he has of it.
0: Yeah, it's just like, when we see her do a line of dialogue in the beginning, and it's framed in, like oh, that's what that means, but, like, at the end, if the same line of dialogue knows completely she
1: had different intentions of what she was yeah, saying. exactly. So, I think that was a better, like, observation on just gendered viewpoints or just different viewpoints. I'm mean, not, I, I shouldn't say gendered, I should say different viewpoints within a relationship, because everyone has a different viewpoint on everything, which makes relationships very difficult a lot of the times, especially nowadays because we are so opinionated
0: hmm You just gotta put yourself in the other person's shoes see where they're coming from. Let's rush through this. Ugh. Well, that whole movie felt rushed. Yeah, it's... It oof. felt so long, but so rushed. Because <laughs> every scene, like, didn't have an
1: ending. It just, like, cut away. Which I liked. I have liked when movies do that. I like when you have these really, really long, kind of, like, expressive takes. I just don't like it when it's not done... With good intentions. Because there were a few scenes in this that were just super long that I just was like, why? Like, I, I, at this point, I already understand that he goes on ridiculous diatribes. I don't need this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, when they first introduced his friend, who is named Max, but he calls Woody Allen Max, and they're just walking down the street, and it's this really long walking talk shot. And then the camera start, and once they reach the camera, the camera moves with them instead yeah. of being locked off. And I just, I was just like, I don't need this. I don't need this information that you're giving me. It was like nobody was listening to anybody.
0: Yeah. But offering up opinions.
1: Yeah, but no solutions, mm-hmm. just opinions. Man, the 70s. <gasps> All those drugs. Well, yeah, and, you know, it was the sexual revolution, and, you know, kind of taking taking things down a notch from this very, almost like, no one can have opinions, you just kind of have to follow along the, with the flock kind of thing. Which, what the 50s were in the 60s and the 70s just really kind of broke, and then the 70s brought on new drugs, and then you had the war on drugs movement in the 80s, and then hmm. and the 90s. Okay, we start out with a monologue, and he's
0: telling jokes... He's feeling like he's having a life crisis. He just turned 40. So he says this is going to be a retrospective of his relationship with Annie Hall. Which it
1: was, but it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, it was a retrospective of himself. Yeah. It was featuring Annie Hall and anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely, like, I don't... I now have no idea why this movie was called Annie Hall. Like, I know! I was going to say that. It is not about Annie Hall. (laughs) Well, and it just... It reminded me of, like, I'm going to call it Annie Hall because Annie Hall is who made me think of these things, but it doesn't make a lot of, uh, what am I trying to say? But it's
0: really 500 Days of Summer about Summer. I mean, it's about his obsession with Summer.
1: Yeah, which is why I think 500 Days of Summer, like, the title kind of works because it implies this is about my relationship with Summer, not about this character. So, like, Annie Hall, instead, it's not, oh, this is a retrospective. It's, no, this is about Annie Hall. It's just, like, no, it's really not. It's about you talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's about your opinion on Annie Hall. <laughs> yeah, well, and, because, like, even when he's going through this is my, respect- my retrospective of Annie Hall, he then goes into... Then he the- immediately jumps to this is my childhood. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, like, okay... Why do I need to know, like, about your childhood? Like, why can't we just jump right into the relationship and you dealing with, you know, aspects of your childhood and talking well, to her with it? or I think they had the other. childhood as explaining the whole fantasy reality. That's what he says. When I was a child,
0: I could never tell the difference between fantasy and reality, which sets up the different types of play on reality that it's going to happen in the movie. So, yeah, like the differences between re- reality and actuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and bringing in the cartoons, and the subtitles, and just the out-of-body experience, like, all that. Yeah. This is where it starts in the childhood portion. It talks about how he's a depressed child, raised in Brooklyn, and then he became a comedian. And became famous. Yep. Oh. So, we start out meeting Annie Hall, where he's waiting at the movies for her, and she shows up, and she's really grumpy, and she's he's like, you must be starting your period, <laughs> And she's like, I'm not starting my period. Why do you always think it's starting my period?
1: <laughs> because that's a typical male response when a woman is grumpy.
0: Yeah, which would totally be offensive these days.
1: Oh, it is offensive. Yeah. Because, I mean, just look at all of the stuff that happened between Donald Trump and Megan What's-Her-Face from yeah. Fox. Yeah, it's just stereotyping women
0: down to their uterus. Like, you only have emotions.
1: <laughs> when you have <laughs> menstrual cycles.
0: Yeah, it it's just that lack of understanding.
1: Yeah. So they
0: miss the first two minutes of the movies, and he doesn't want to go in, so they leave. And then they're waiting in another line for a different movie, which is a scene that we've all seen in film school with the guy behind him talking about his opinions on movies. Right, and so, like, Woody Allen then addresses the camera, you know. it's like, this guy really needs to shut the
1: fuck up. Yeah, and, you know, and... Pulls out the other, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, like, it's the first time... He, he's breaking the he's fourth breaking wall. He's breaking the fourth wall within the confines of the movie. Which was groundbreaking, probably, yes. <laughs> just breaking the fourth wall in film just seems so taboo mm-hmm. in a way. Like, it's not done very often. And sometimes when it's done, it's just done to be ridiculous. And then other times it's done like this with a, a true purpose. Mm -hmm. Not that I think this purpose was great, but...
0: Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like that, that just, it wouldn't be the same movie without that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, just so, again, John Hughes and Woody Allen, I don't think that there would be a John Hughes without, like, I don't think Ferris Bueller would have used it to the capacity that it did. Like, it took the great parts of breaking the fourth wall in Annie Hall and made them better. Mm -hmm. It didn't have... It didn't use it for purposes of being, like, inserting your opinion to the audience all yeah. the time. That's the thing with this movie, man. It doesn't for the story at all. No, it's not. It's not for the story. Like, even the first time that they break the fourth wall, it's just so that he can go on a tangent. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this movie is. It's just all tangents. Yeah, and it gets to the point where it's just like, dude, like, you're introducing this relationship and waking us about the retrospective or saying that it is, but then it never really is. Okay, okay. Then,
0: the next scene, they're in bed complaining about how they don't have
1: sex. That's it. (laughs) Well, yeah, and then they start talking about his first wife. Right. So, they're talking about his first wife, Allison. Yes. Who is Carol Kane. Yeah. And so,
0: we immediately jump to him meeting Allison for the first time at a comedian rally, or at a political rally, where he's a
1: comedian. To impeach somebody, because that's what he did.
0: Yeah, and oh yeah, I, he's talking about the Kennedy assassination. That's how he knew it was really previous. Yeah, yeah, he was talking about the Kennedy assassination instead of having sex with her. So it's like he's it's it's doing this thing where it's kind of free form. He it's like going into his mind, and then these are just the thoughts that he's jumping to. Like you did it. I feel like it only worked here because this point, he's like, oh my god, yes, I am, you know, delaying our having sex by thinking about this thing. Okay, now we can go back to what I was thinking about previously. Yeah,
1: yeah, it worked, and I thought that that's what this was going to continue to do, and it didn't. It didn't utilize that in the... It didn't utilize the things that it did so well Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah, it's
0: not like, oh, what does this remind me of? Think about it. Okay, now I can come at what we were talking about in fuller
1: yeah it it made it very unnatural like this the way that this this sequence takes place it's a very natural progression of how the mind works and how you know just one word can trigger you into something else or a picture or whatever you know even people who deal with other you know mental illnesses or whatever can be triggered just by smells or whatever the mind is very interesting in that in that way Mm -hmm. and that's why i wish he would have used it more because it's way more fascinating that way because everyone can understand that Mm -hmm. yeah it's
0: hard to express in film like the way our mind works
1: yeah but that is like the quintessential way of doing it right
0: because of the imagery yeah all right then we have back in the relationship with him and annie the lobster scene which is a famous one that is my dad's favorite scene (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's them just, they've dropped a bag of lobsters. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming he, like, freaked out because it started moving and he just dropped it and then they just escaped. Yeah. We used to eat a lot of lobster
0: in my childhood. Look at you. You're from Massachusetts. I've had lobster, like,
1: twice in my entire life. Oh, well, really, we only really had it on New Year's. Okay. That's still more than I've ever had lobster. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not counting the sushi lobster that I've had because that's, like, not really No, you've never lobster.
0: bought a bag of lobster from the grocery store, put it in your fridge, had oh, live never lobsters done in no. you, and then that night threw them in boiling water. No,
1: never. Like, ever. I've had it at, like, a restaurant twice in my life, but that was it.
0: I bet you're not very good at um, getting all the meat out.
1: I'm horrible at it. I That's would so have hilarious. to do it for you. <laughs>
0: everyone out for lobster dinner. I don't know why we're going out for lobster dinner, but I'd be like, here, make sure you crack the tail, you peel the this part back, and then with the fork you just go up like
1: this and there's the tail meat, you know? <laughs> and I'll be, like, sitting there like a child, like, how like, did you do that? <laughs> I'd probably freak out. I have, like, a huge issue, like, on Thanksgiving, I can't, I can't, look at the turkey or oh. anything before it goes into the oven. I can't break... Like, my mom made Cornish hens once, and I couldn't be there when she had to, like, um. uh, cut the the neck off and clean it up and everything. I couldn't do it. It just bothers me, because it actually looks like a real... Like, a live animal at that point, and I'm just like, I I, I need to be far removed from oh. this. Well, that's funny. Do they <laughs> give... it At, like,
0: Red Lobster, do they give you a whole lobster with, like, the... Do they give you a whole lobster with the middle still on? Or do they just give you the, no, tail, they just and give the, you the tail and the claws? Oh, the clo- oh. So it's not looking at
1: you with, like, its antennas and its feet. No, eyes. but I have had that. Yeah, that's what we should do, just look at it. <laughs> no, I have a picture on my Instagram of the first time that I ever had lobster. Or oh, it still had a face? Yeah, and I took a picture of it, and I it was the the year that uh, the uh, Batman rises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came out with the trailer where they're just like saying, rise, rise, rise. So I took a picture of it and I made this creepy filter on it and um, just tagged it with rise from Batman because it looked really terrifying and I was just like, this is what Bane would look like if he was a lobster. Anyway, this movie's about tangents, so we just go on tangents. Yeah, you can't
0: blame <laughs> us. Uh, well, next there's a tangent about Annie's past loves, so they go and
1: visit them. Which I thought was cool, but just weird at the same time.
0: Yeah, I felt it was cool. Something they would do in 500 Days of Summer.
1: Well, they did um, do it in 500 Days of Summer, just with pictures.
0: Yeah, with pictures. Or kind of, maybe... I was going to say Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine did it in such a
1: unique way, though.
0: Eternal Sunshine is the ultimate movie about exploring a relationship.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes correct this is an accurate statement that just came out of your mouth
0: i'm so angry now that <laughs> i'm like can we just watch eternal sunshine which is a million times better than
1: any <laughs> can we just do a compare and contrast between 500 days of summer and eternal sunshine <laughs> like that's a slumber party right there is you you watch 500 days of summer you get really kind of sad and then you watch eternal sunshine which is just really kind of sad the entire way through but then it leaves you on a happy like kind of hopeful Mm. new beginnings note and i love it they're both non-linear yeah
0: (sighs) oh that's a slumber party yeah (laughs) a plus (laughs) That's, like, our ultimate package in our little (laughs) curator box set. The ultimate package is the 500 Days of Summer Eternal Sunshine package. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it comes with a a box of tissues, because Mm -hmm. 500 Days of Summer will make you cry, and then, like, lollipops for Eternal Sunshine. Like, I feel like if we were, like, into hardcore drugs, it would be acid lollipops, but we're not, so we're not promoting that. (laughs) Also, you should
0: wear 50s dresses and have some hair dyeing kits.
1: Where you could, like, get one of those things that you used to get in craft stores where it's, like, design your own poodle skirt or whatever, and you go and buy the fabric, and then you just sit there and make it at the slumber party Mm. while someone dyes your hair. (laughs) I want to go to this event. (laughs) I'm jealous that this does not exist. (laughs) Well, we just made it up, so it can't exist yet.
0: Now I want to time travel. Now I'm just depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this movie. Well, Annie Hall is slightly depressing. So then we go to the point where he actually meets Annie Hall. I am a fan of non-linear because it keeps your brain a-working.
1: Yeah, the problem with this was is that because it was constant, like, constantly in your face with the information, there was no time to kind of actually realize it. Like, I didn't really realize that this was the scene where he was meeting Annie Hall until... He, like, said, hi, I'm Alvy."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does go, and I'm Annie Hall. And I didn't know if that was a joke. Yeah. Because you know how people joke like that? Where yeah. Drew does that all the time with me, too, when we're with a bigger group of people, turn and be like, I'm Drew. <laughs> he does it all the time. He loves that joke. It's like his
1: ultimate dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's like, I like it, but I don't. I like, I love nonlinear. I love, like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is literally... In my top five, probably number one movie.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's 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 my. I have three favorite movies, and that's one of them.
1: Mhm. I mean, and it's so hard for me to pick a favorite movie because they're so like in there. Like it. It took a lot for me to admit that Silver Linings Playbook is actually up there now too. I just because it hit. It's like one of those things where you just find the movie that just hits you, mm-hmm. and those two you can just. It's an experience that everyone kind of deals with just differently. And same thing with um, Silver Linings Playbook is, you know, people deal with mental illness differently. And you see that throughout the entire movie. Is You see a lot of different viewpoints on how people deal with just life. And so I just, I love those, those movies. And I love just that nonlinear kind of aspect of things.
0: You know... But they wouldn't exist if they didn't have if we didn't have Annie Hall.
1: I know, and that's why I'm like. Doesn't make you angry, but I'm happy. Yeah, it's like it's such a conflicting thing. Like, 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 yeah, like what I'm trying to say is, you know, I really like, I love this style. It just wasn't. It's not on par because it wasn't perfected until the next iteration and what mm. was inspired by it. So it's just like, oh, I've seen these really perfect, in my opinion, things. And, you know, they come from this, so I should like this, but it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, you're just going through lots of different head-shaking moments. (laughs) I'm with you, that's why. And I don't want, I'm not talking over you, I'm just with you. (laughs) I'm just so conflicted. Like, I really want to like it. I really do. And, like, at the end, I was, like, trying to justify, like, the bits that I was liking. I was just like, oh these, these bits were so good, and I really just wanted them to be utilized more, and then just, ah. Let's go back to the movie, and
0: he just met Annie Hall, and you kind of, well, you picked up on that she's probably all weird and nervous because he's famous at this point, and she wants to get to know him, so, like,
1: she's all, drives him home. Well, she's like a, she's like a lounge singer. She doesn't really, she hasn't broken into, to, her chosen profession yet and you know it's just like like if we met Thelma Schumacher we would be kind of giggly and Mm want to talk to her but we'd be kind of ridiculous about on top of ourselves
0: yeah so she drives him uh and then she's near her place so she takes him upstairs to her apartment gives him wine then they have the like the subtext scene where they're talking about art or whatever but
1: it really in the subtitles it says what they're really thinking yeah which was an interesting I don't think I've seen that before no, I've I seen think I've only seen it here yeah it was interesting because I wasn't expecting it so I like all of a sudden I thought like my dog had sat on the the remote or something and um which is probably why when he actually did sit on the sit on the remote and like sped up to half speed <laughs> I like wasn't I didn't catch it right away yeah, I didn't
0: notice <laughs> I didn't notice
1: at all <laughs> It wasn't until I saw the arrow at the bottom where I was like, Oh, we fast forwarded through like part of this. <laughs> I was fine with it, <laughs> but it was like it was it was an interesting use of of like figuring out what you can and can't do in film to kind of achieve almost like a book internal kind of monologue, kind yeah, of thing. I agree with that,
0: yeah, so pretty much the it's it's like the typical. They're talking about whatever, but inside, they're both thinking, like, I'm an idiot.
1: <laughs> sort of. He's thinking about what she'd look like naked.
0: Yeah, because he's Woody Allen.
1: The joke about the 16-year-old twins was disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah, they have, like, wine and, and chat and...
0: Oh, she tells them that she's a singer and... Well, she's going to sing on Friday for the first time. So then we go to our... the lounge. hmm where she, she auditioned and got the job. And it's a noisy nightclub, and the phones are going off, and
1: plates are dropping. Oh, I loved that. I loved using the sound to kind of boost it, like, that anxiety feeling. Because she, she held it together really quite nice. Mm-hmm. But, like, you definitely could sense her, her anxiety just by adding that noise, by raising the noise level. Yeah. So then after
0: that they go out to dinner and then they're back at whoever's place and they just did it. And And she lights up. Yeah. She gets high. On her grass. Mm Mm-hmm. 70s term. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're in a bookstore and he buys her books. About death. I thought it was just weird. I was like, they just met and he's just like, here, read these books. I think that's weird. Yeah, he didn't know anything about her. Yeah. And... Yeah, normally you buy... I I give my family books for Christmas, and I always give them stuff I think they'll really like. Not just, I talk about this topic a lot, you should learn about it, so we have something to talk about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's his condescending kind of... In a way, he's trying to make her the his Manny pixie, manic pixie dream girl.
0: Yeah, that's where I think I lost him. I was like, no, you're controlling. I don't like you.
1: Yeah, when he explained why he wanted her to have the books, yeah. It was just like, dude, like, back off. You just met this woman. hmm And she, like, went along with it, which I guess is...
0: Yeah, she, I, I really liked her progression from the beginning to the end. She gets much stronger about herself yes, and more
1: confident. which she kept insisting, which was interesting because once she, she did that, he didn't like it mm-hmm. and didn't understand. And it was like, dude, you've been, you've been pushing this all along. Like, what y- you, you have to give on something. You can't just continue to push. Otherwise, you push people out the door. Um,
0: so, yeah, then there's. I think it's a little
1: montage of them hanging out. And
0: she wants to know. Like, they're talking about they like each other. And he wants to know, but do you love me? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she, he's like, and she's like, do you love me? He's like, oh, there aren't words. I love you, which is what everybody yeah. says. Yeah. That's where that comes this from. This was in
1: the. Was that in the park?
0: Well, I think this part here where they say they love each other, they're in front of
1: the water with the bridge. Oh, they, yeah. Then this is after when they do the. Their walk in the park, which I still don't quite under. I don't really remember what all was said during that. Yeah. I just remember the park.
0: I think at that point I was, I was still reeling. At that part, I was still reeling about the bookstore, and I was just like scribbling down things of like this movie. I wrote down <laughs> like it's not about anything what they're doing. It's just him talking. Yeah,
1: this is exactly when you so, turned to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I kind of missed that part. Sorry. Hopefully, it's not important. What? Oh no! It's the crux of the whole movie. Ha. <laughs> So, then she moves in with him. First, he's kind of fighting against it, but then he finds out how much the place costs, and he's
1: like, no, you're paying that for this dump. You should move in. Yeah, and... we kept changing his mind. Like That was what was driving me insane. It was just like, just stick with a decision and just deal with it. Because he was just like... She kept saying, it was your idea for me to move in, and he's like, oh, well, why Why would I do that? Why would I say move in and not get rid of your apartment, or, and get rid of your apartment? I don't want you to move in anymore. And yeah, it's I just feel like, like
0: he has ideas, but he's afraid to go through with them. They're, like, yeah. big steps.
1: Yeah. Which was, again, refreshing for a male character, just based on the movies that we've watched. I mean, I think Harold and Maud did it a little bit better, because I think... It's interesting, more interesting to see a younger person go through with it because then you kind of have hope that they will, you know.
0: Yeah, this Woody Allen and this—he's already forty.
1: Yeah, so it's just like you, you, you know, he's already stuck in his ways. He's yeah. not gonna change and very he's much. Been divorced twice. Yeah. Forgot to mention that he's been married twice. <laughs> well, we mentioned his first wife. I don't, I don't remember when the second wife montage bit comes in. I think it's when um, him and Annie start having problems with, uh, starting having more problems with sex because he's more interested. He's still sex obsessed. I wouldn't say he's obsessed. Like, nowadays you can sense when a dude is, like, really sex obsessed. He didn't think they were having enough sex, which was weird because he's like, we have sex three times a week, and I'm like, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) You just need a healthy balance.
0: Okay, I'm done. This, no, this is, this is awkward because we've never talked about uh, actual doing it yeah. on this podcast yeah. before. <laughs> which, in the 90s, I feel we're going to be talking about a lot more.
1: <laughs> Let's get it on. Yeah, we'll try to be... We'll, we'll be sensitive to young years. <laughs>
0: yeah. But, well, it is a plot point. The, the His whole,
1: like... Obs- his idea of sex is different.
0: Yeah, and it's just he can't... Talk to his partner. Anyway, okay, well, they're fighting about her getting high, about how she needs to get high before they do it, because it relaxes her. And he's like, no, I don't
1: want you getting high at all. (laughs) I didn't quite understand this, because if she was doing it, like, after, like, it makes sense, because it's, like, the after-sex cigarette. So I didn't quite, I didn't understand why he was so obsessed with, or so upset with it. Well, he didn't want her doing it before, like, she was doing it before, like... Oh, at that point, okay. Yeah,
0: at that point, they're about ready to go, and she's like, let me go smoke. Okay, see, I was confused, because I thought she had only done it after. No, and that's where he says, you know, it's like, I'm a comedian, You don't want to tell jokes to someone who's high, because they'll just laugh, because they laugh at everything. I guess that's true, he wanted her to be more present in it, I guess. But he wanted her real emotions but i if it was just relaxing her
1: yeah i think it's interesting because you know how people tend to get like the most angry at stuff that they feel so shameful about themselves mhm so he wasn't present really in the relationship i think actually this is when his his second ex-wife comes in
0: this is where she has a little out of body experience
1: yeah but after after that he goes back to i think the second wife because remember like that their problem was that he couldn't be present with her in like her like she was in at a party for people with the new york times based on her art and so he couldn't be present at that he wanted to watch the knicks
0: yeah i didn't write this part down sorry
1: i don't know what to write down half the time no, I just they think that they're they're trying to say he's very frustrated with her smoking pot because she can't be present. Mm-hmm. But he himself has in the past and and even throughout their, his relationship with Annie hasn't been truly present with you know her emotional needs or anything dealing with emotion. Essentially, mm-hmm. he he's very he's a very physical person, and I understand that the physical needs to be present too. But he's He's pushed his emotions aside so much that he can only feel probably when there is that physical which is probably why he is so obsessed obsessed with sex.
0: Mm. Do you think
1: then this is a, this movie's kind of like an apology? I can see that thinking it from that thinking of it from that perspective because if you know it is supposed to be based off of their Diane Keaton and Woody Allen's real relationship. Yeah. The fact that she was willing enough to be be in the movie says a lot. So maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he, she could have taken it as that.
0: Did Joseph Gordon-Levitt and What's-Her-Face
1: have a real relationship? No, they've oh. always been best friends. Okay. <laughs> yeah, always been friends. <laughs> Which is why he wanted her to be in 500 Days of Summer, because he felt like they would have the chemistry, but the chemistry that it really needed. He wanted a friendship quality rather than a romantic quality so okay. that he could portray that correctly. They're perfect together. Oh, my God, they're adorable. Have you seen when they do their little songs yeah. on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, they're so cute.
0: Okay, so then he's performing at a college. She's there, and she talks about uh, meeting him meeting her parents. So they're going to meet. They have a dinner together. This is, again, when he's pushing her
1: to go to college and everything, correct?
0: Yeah, because in that scene where he's, right before he fights with her, she's looking at um a course catalog. Yeah. Um. So he's comparing their families... Uh, ben Stiller pretty much
1: based uh, Meet the Parents off of this scene. <laughs> oh my god, I loved this scene, though. I loved when Grandma looked <sighs> over to him and he was, like, dressed in Hasidic Jew, yeah. like, garb. And I was just like, oh my god, I have never seen that, like, that before. Because that's, in, previously, Annie has told Alvie that uh, Grammy Hall is one of those people <laughs> who only sees Jews as making money, or stealing money, essentially, yeah. and hates them on a specific level. Yeah.
0: Which is really awkward, man. Oh, I don't oh, know why yeah. she would tell that to him. Or... I don't know. It was so Like, at their awkward. first meeting, she'd be like, yeah, my grandma would really hate you. <laughs> You're really Jewish. But it was,
1: like, it was the way that she did it. It was, she did it really, really fast. Like, she couldn't shut herself up. Oh. So I think that's why... It was, was, like, that
0: nervous, like, oh, no.
1: Yeah, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but I did, so let's just keep going. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, when, yeah, when the dinner scene, oh, my God, I loved the dinner scene. It's, like, such a small section, but I just, I loved it. It was so funny. And then when they went in, the fact that Christopher Walken plays her brother brother is hilarious.
0: Yeah, that, I
1: found that
0: to be hilarious, his scene, where... (laughs) He's talking to Alvy about wanting to drive into the oncoming cars. Yeah. How he just gets that feeling sometimes. And then he has to drive them to the airport. <laughs> so Alvi's just it pans across the car into Alvy is just like super
1: afraid. Holding on for dear life and Annie like doesn't even notice. Yeah. But Christopher Walken has this really creepy, like desperate looking, like off into the distant face expression.
0: Yeah, that was funny. So, Alvi is fighting with Annie um, because he stalked her, followed her, and saw that she was hanging out with her professor.
1: <laughs> yes, and this is after they had had a fight about wanting to keep their relationship somewhat open. Yeah, right. So, yeah, she's, it's alluded to that she's seeing one of her professors, mm-hmm. and he doesn't like that. Right. And then she starts having therapy, yeah, he pays for her her therapy. I mean, they have some really nice conversations about life throughout these these moments and like she goes <clears throat> to her therapist and they she comes back home and she's got all the groceries and he asks her about it and she like t- says that we did this 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 and this and then I told him about my dream and then I cried and And then she had penis envy. Yeah. And he's like, you came, they came up with all of this in an hour? Yeah. (laughs) Which is true. You don't do that in therapy. Like, you you go in, you you talk about what you're feeling, and, you know, you get some advice. Well, not necessarily advice, but, like, some helpful, some helpful hints Mm -hmm. on (laughs) life. Some life guidance.
0: There you go. Okay, so then, I forget why, but he starts questioning people
1: on the street. I think about, like, how their relationships are. Well, it's like so this is what he's what I think is actually happening is in reality he's actually just walking down the street and looking at these people and thinking and coming up with what their reactions really are. He was helping her into a taxi after he was yelling at her about how ridiculous adult college is, even though in the scene previous he was talking about how great it is. Mhm. Um and it's the love fades. It's the the famous love fades montage basically. Mm-hmm. Where he talks to this little lady who says, you know, love fades, you can't, you have to work at it, you can't just rely on it constantly, because you're gonna burn it out, basically. And then he, like, talks to other people, who have basically the same, same opinion. Um, then there's the
0: cartoon,
1: I don't remember why. It's because he had a fantasy, he went to go see Snow White with his mom, and everybody fell in love with Snow White, but he fell in love with the evil queen. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, okay, if we're going to talk about villains in animated movies, the Evil Queen is really hot. Mm-hmm. She, she, she got the boom, the boom, boom. But well, she
0: was the fairest of them all. Oh, she was hot.
1: <laughs> like, Snow White is cute. Yeah. But Evil Queen, she's hot.
0: Okay, then Alvi starts, he goes on a date with, uh, Shelley Duvall, who's a reporter.
1: Yeah, because, um, that's what that scene is about, like, Max, Max, animated Max comes in and is just like, oh, Alvie, don't, like, stop thinking about this, I can, I have a, a really good girl that you can go and date.
0: Yeah, and then he sleeps with her, and he gets an emergency phone call from Annie to come over, it's an emergency, and he gets there, and is to kill a spider in her bathroom.
1: Which I've seen this scene, so many, like, not from this movie, but so many things have recreated this scene. Didn't even realize it, but this is actually a Gilmore Girls reference. I'm, uh, yep, going to tweet at the Gilmore guys and be like, you should watch Annie Hall, because whole scene in season six is from that. Wow.
0: So then when he's there, after he kills the spider, Annie's crying because she misses him, and blatantly asks him, was there another woman with you there when I called? And he says, no. He's a big liar. (laughs) He's kind of a jerk. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh Max and uh, Alvy take Annie to the old Brooklyn neighborhood to see the old sites where he's from, the old house
1: under the roller coaster tracks mm-hmm. in Coney Island. Yeah.
0: And then it's Annie's birthday and then Annie performs her song. Oh, at Annie's birthday, he gives her Oh, right. A like a sexy
1: leotard yeah some lingerie and
0: she definitely says she's like i think this is
1: a present more for you <laughs> and then like he's like yeah i know but here's the real present and gives her the watch that she wanted yeah which was cute i liked that i i kind of liked that because although it is a little misogynistic and ridiculous i i just kind of thought it was cute
0: but they have such problems with their sex life i feel like it's a bit of a burn because he he's
1: he, Gets it to be like this will liven up our sex life, which is terrible, right? No, no, now. no, no. Yeah, I, I get, I get the point, but I guess more so the act is adorable to me because it's a big thing in my family that we give a, a joke gift. Oh, right. So this wasn't a joke. <laughs> well, to me, it came off as a joke. So yes, if I put it in that context, oh yeah, it's it's horrible. But it, it's like it's like giving a joke gift before you get your real gift. It's just like that lighthearted kind of yeah poking fun, but. Ador- it It's just adorable to me in a weird way.
0: Then there's the joint therapy session.
1: Which was cool. I read on Wikipedia that they, the set.
0: Yeah, it was filmed. It looked like it was a split screen, but it was
1: filmed simultaneously. Yeah, with an adjoining wall. It was so cool. Um, yeah, but this is the point where I was just like, oh, this is, he never lets the, the therapist talk because you see, you don't actually see Her therapist on screen, but you actually hear her talking back to one another and asking questions and everything. His therapist is just sitting in the chair, letting him ramble Mm -hmm. on, which I don't think is what therapy is about. Yeah. He's doing it a little wrong.
0: Yeah. I don't remember what they were talking about. Well, it's just just their problems. Yeah. Then they have their friends who are into cocaine. (laughs)
1: This was a weird scene. Yeah. It's like so nonchalant. Oh, I always wanted to try Coke. <laughs> We're like, what? Who says that? I mean, I guess, I guess someone would say that in the 70s, but yeah. not now. No. Like, not like that. Like, not just, yes, I really want to try some of that blow. <laughs> please pass it over. Yeah. Can you please pass the blow?
0: It'd be so fun. I mean, it's just let's all let's, let's try it. Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But it's this is another one of the famous scenes because he takes like the the Altoid canister of fucking coke who which they say oh yeah that is probably worth about two thousand dollars and he's like oh okay so he takes like a little bit of a pinky Mm -hmm. full and puts it like up his nose and then immediately sneezes into the can blowing the two thousand dollars worth of cocaine into the air Mm -hmm. oh all the while
0: oh yeah during our fast forward part after annie performs on her birthday these this people come over and like want her to like make a record
1: yeah they're like do you have any like albums out yeah do you want to make one yeah so then they have this
0: trip to la um
1: because uh, Alvy's gonna go give an award in beverly hills or no in burbank yeah in burbank they don't say what award he's giving away he's just giving one away
0: yeah and i think she's there but she's also met some record people too
1: Yeah, she's, she went, she's going there to meet with the record people Mm -hmm. that she met on her birthday, and then he's there to give the award. Yeah, but
0: as soon as he touches down in LA, he gets sick.
1: Yeah, he's totally nauseous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the, the bright sunshine, I mean, it does, I felt, everybody gets sick, (laughs) no.
1: I didn't, because I came from Kansas, which I was, they were giving me reports the day that I left Kansas. They were giving reports of tornadoes. Oh. And if you've ever been to Kansas, Kansas is flat and perfect for tornadoes because they just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, okay, get on this plane. Get out of this cold March tornado weather. Come to the sun. Yeah, and then you got an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, the night I landed <laughs> we were were we watching frozen maybe probably i think i think that was like the first night and drew came home and was just like you're watching frozen again
0: <laughs> it was either frozen or tangled it was yeah i some can't remember disney movie and there was the earthquake yeah and i was like welcome to la
1: <laughs> i was there for nine hours and felt my first earthquake.
0: <laughs> it was a it was like the last big one we had too yeah oh yeah so they're at this um la christmas party And Jeff Goldblum's there. That's all I got out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's, like, this really long, like, let's go, I'm going to show you the house and and blah, blah, blah. It's the whole, the whole thing is just to show how uncomfortable
0: Albie is in L.A.
1: Yeah, and then Jeff Goldblum just walks up.
0: He's on the phone with somebody.
1: And he, like, extends his arm and leans into the wall and you're like, dude, that's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, like, (laughs) hello, Jeff Goldblum. Nice to see you there. We were far more fascinated with the cameos in this movie than the yeah. actual movie. So,
0: uh Annie and Alvy are on the airplane back and they're internal monologuing thinking about how they should break up. Yes. Which I think is a good like this is the part where I feel Annie has really grown more confident, she really is deciding what she wants and she brings it up. She says, "I think we should break up." Yeah. So they
1: do. This is another one of those moments where I think though that it, what he is portraying happening isn't really what happened Mm -hmm. because she I think she was actually I think he does give her credit that she was the one who said we need to end this relationship but I don't think he was yeah our, our relationship is is a shark a dead shark a dead shark
0: so they split up their stuff
1: split up the books
0: and then, like, immediately the next scene, he's like, I re- I regret breaking up with her.
1: Yeah, this is when he's walking out of the movie theater and has another one of those yeah. internal conversations with people on the street.
0: Yeah. So Annie's having the good life in LA, and he's pretty much, I feel like he's jealous because she is, or he's just, like, thinking about how good
1: her life is now, now that he can't stalk her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and how he feels somewhat betrayed that her life is is good without him. Mm -hmm. And yet his is still... The same. The same.
0: So he calls her up. He wants to go get her. So he flies over to LA and he meets
1: her at this restaurant in, like, West Hollywood. Was it West Hollywood? I thought it was Beverly Hills. I
0: don't know. It looked more West Hollywood to me.
1: It looked familiar, so I wasn't 100% sure. It looked like
0: it was, like fairfax or yeah
1: something. it definitely looked like fairfax especially with the way that the street
0: mm-hmm. how busy it was yeah so that's why i thought it was like WeHo. ho i can see that yeah he's like let's get married and she's just like let's not, not.
1: <laughs> bye <laughs> this is like the fourth movie that we've watched where the guy just like out of the blue just is like we're gonna get married yeah but i
0: feel like only a a few times where the girl's like, no.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. She was. I really liked her.
0: Yeah, she's she's really confident here now. She's a completely different person. Mm-hmm. So she leaves, and then he hits a bunch of cars, and he gets arrested because he doesn't like authority. So he rips up his license.
1: Yeah, this was just a weird part because he was like so nervous and weird, and then all of a sudden started ripping up his license. It's like, dude, just take, take responsibility for something. He was upset. Yeah, but he's been like somewhat upset through the entire movie. That's true. That's just his, his default. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, then he's back in New York and he's been writing a play, and the play is literally like their their exact conversation. Their exact conversation, but different in that he they get together.
1: Yeah, is that he originally walks away instead of mm-hmm. her. And uh she goes after him.
0: Yeah, so he's like, Ah, it's my first play, I can't help but write a happy ending or something. Yeah.
1: And then we go to I've seen Annie a few years later and Yeah, it's a little up.
0: montage about them becoming friends again because yeah. she's moved back to New York and he sees her around and it's just he feels good about it. Yeah. He's like, Man, that, that Annie, she's a she's a bang up gal <laughs>
1: pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then they, like, you see the last shot of the movie is through a window of them standing on the corner, um, by a crosswalk, and just, they, like, shake hands or hug or something, and then just walk separate directions. Mm-hmm. And then we sit on the traffic for a little while, and then it ends.
0: Yeah. I think we should just get to rating this. Yep. I want to rate this
1: two unused movie tickets. Based on the fact that I can see like all of the influence that it had on the genre and stuff and how different it was from all the other ones, I'm going to give it a three books on death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, the pain isn't over, Ashley. I know. Next week we're watching 1979's Manhattan, which is Lydia Allen
1: again. More New York. Yep. I've never seen anything from Manhattan, so I know nothing.
0: I feel like maybe I've seen maybe a scene, maybe the beginning of it, but uh, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, oh, here I have some thank yous. Oh yeah, from thank our yous. lovely, lovely people who follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, my parents, <sighs> because they finally decided to like some things. <laughs> Sam. Sam loves sharing our stuff on Facebook. And a thank you to Nicole of the uh, Feminine Mistake podcast. I really want to listen to that one. They're watching Beaches next. Ooh. I wish we could watch Beaches. I would just cry tears and tears forever. And on Twitter, I got to thank Leah,
1: the Two Girls, One Film podcast. Which is, like, okay, if you like our podcast Mm -hmm. and you want to hear British people that sound like us... (laughs)
0: But with like ninety five percent more swearing. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big you fan should. of their podcast. I've listened to most of their episodes in like a week.
1: Yeah, they're how to how to lose a guy. Not how to lose a guy. Ten things I ten to Ten things I hate about you. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. I do want to say though that Americans do not age like Hollywood ages. I I love that I like texted you. I was in the middle of traffic <laughs> and I texted you to tell you that that's what they said because I could not get over it. It was hilarious and it was totally something that I would say, mm-hmm. but we don't. We we are a different, we are not a different species. Hollywood well, is just Hollywood. weird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and thanks to uh, Jenny Fish. Uh, you can find all of our episodes on thecutaways.com. That is our website and we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Please, if you want to support us, leave us a... Uh, Uh, a review on itunes because that helps more people find us that's like the number one way it's how their algorithm works Mm -hmm. so our facebook and twitter handles are cutaways podcast at cutaways podcast thanks for bearing with us we'll see you next week when we cry (laughs) bye